Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And Peter Dowdell, the theirishgardener.com, joining us on a sunny Wednesday afternoon and hopefully it's sunny wherever you are. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Always sunny in Cork, Chris. Yeah, that's it, that's it. We're in for an, a, a couple of nice days by all accounts and we're not getting this very excessive heat wave that's going to hit parts of England and certainly down around Spain and France. They're in for a real scorcher for over the next few days. They are, and you know what, I'd rather what we're going to get. I, 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 I wouldn't fancy that extreme heat now, to be honest. No, no, and, that, and it wouldn't be good for the gardens either. OK, let's get straight in with questions. Anne says, and I think she says it's a hydrangea, but I think with the predictive text, it's come out as something else. Uh, I planted a hydrangea after buying it, water and fed it. When there was a frost, I covered it with plastic and then take it off in the morning. Still leaves in January or February disappear and I'm left with nothing. Now, I do have rabbits in the garden. Could the rabbits be eating them. I've just got another one and I'm going to plant it and leave it at the, in front of the house instead to change the position. Well, if it is hydrangea, first of all, I think you're probably doing a bit too much of the mollycoddling. It doesn't need any of that. That um, It needs watering and feeding, obviously, but it, it doesn't need to be kind of covered in during the winter or anything like that. Um, the fact that it doesn't have leaves in January, February, if I'm reading it right, it is normal. So don't worry because the hydrangeas are deciduous. In other words, they drop their leaves for the winter. But obviously it should be coming into leaf now. Um, if it's a relatively new plant and still in a pot, then the most likely culprit actually is underwatering if it didn't come into leaf in the spring. So it's very possible underwatering. However, there is another possibility. And this is something that often happens with people. There are indoor hydrangeas, which are sold, obviously, enough as house plants and indoor plants, which you'll get in flower shops and things like that. So you do need to be careful what you're buying and where you're buying. Uh, not that there's anything wrong, obviously, with buying, obviously, enough of buying plants in in uh, flower shops and things like that. But you just need to make sure that what you're getting is an outdoor variety of hydrangea. I, that may well be what the problem is here, that it was too cold for it. If it was out during January and February and it was an indoor variety, then that could well be it. But um, maybe send us on a picture and we'll just have a look or maybe just send us on some more some more information and we will see if we can get to the bottom of it. OK, perfect. Stay with hydrangeas, though, because... Hi, Peter. <laughs> if setting hydrangea in a bed, what else would you recommend to a company which would be suitable for similar soil type? OK, well, before I get into the actual nitty-gritty of what to plant is it, the, when you say similar soil type, that does depend on the soil type. You say similar, but I don't know which one it is. So hydrangeas will grow in in all soil pHs, but the pH of the soil will determine the colour of the hydrangea. So in other words, if it's an acid soil, you'll have blue hydrangeas, but if it's limey or alkaline, then you'll have pink. Now, 
uh, then all 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 that goes out the window if you're dealing with white hydrangeas or if you're dealing with something like Annabelle or or Limelight or any of those ones. Then that's the, the pH then becomes irrelevant. Okay, but. So they also like quite a damp soil, ideally a damp soil, but they'll grow anywhere, as we all know. But um, so all that being said, that will kind of determine which plants we plant with it in whether it's a limey soil or an acid soil. However, what I would be conscious of when I'm putting in a hydrangea, because it's deciduous, as I mentioned, so it's bare for a few months in the winter, I would, what I plant next to it, I would make sure that I'm putting some evergreen plants in next to it, maybe underplanted with some, if it's an acid soil, maybe some um Japanese azaleas, some evergreen azaleas or some heucheras and things like that, which will give good leaf colour and they're evergreen. So they're there when the hydrangea is gone. If it's not acid, if it's a limey soil, you could even try some hebes or some euonymus or even some broom, which will be spring flowering, um, because they're all a bit of evergreen interest and, and flowering at different times of the year to the hydrangea. So you see, to get the garden right or to get a bed right, it's all about, well, it's about several things, Trish, but one of the things is continuity of colour. So you don't just have a big shot of colour for the three months when the hydrangea is out. You also want colour in the spring and you may not have flower colour, but you do want some leaf interest during the winter. So because that's deciduous, I would mix it with some evergreen plants as well. Um, but but I, we could probably spend all day just on that question alone, so I'd better move on. OK, uh, Mary wants to know, is now the right time to take laurel cuttings? Pretty much, yes. Uh, I, I'm going to say yes. You might be a week or two early, um, but what you're doing is taking this year's growth. So you maybe just give it an extra week or two for the for the cuttings to thicken up a small bit. Uh, you do want this year's growth, and you want a cutting about four or five inches in length, one pair of leaves on the top. Base of the cutting should be at a node, which is quite simply where a leaf meets the stem into a bit of rooting powder and they'll root away quite easily. The only reason I'm hesitating is because the, the, that cutting growth, if you take it like now, like today, it might just be still a bit a bit young and a bit thin uh, to, to sustain itself, if you like, until the roots do develop. So maybe give it a week or two, but any time then, kind of July, August, September should be fine. Hi, says a listener. I'm wondering if I can move rose trees that I got last year. They're growing in pots, but they don't seem to be doing as well this year. And I'm thinking maybe they need to be planted out. If so, is now the right time to move them on? I'm thinking you're probably right. Roses of, of all plants, they don't tend to thrive in pots. They, they're, they're quite hungry uh, plants. So the more nutrients they get, the better they're going to do. And obviously, if they're in a pot, they're, they're quite confined and, and a very finite amount of nutrient. Um, so, yeah, I would say that probably is the reason. Do plant them out. When you're planting from a pot into the ground, the time of year is largely irrelevant, Trish, because there's no root disturbance. So now is a fine time to move them out. They'll thank you for it no end, I'd say. Give them a, give them a good rose food, something like the Goulding's liquid rose food is what I would use, but any good rose food uh, and a good, um, you know, give them every chance of success. Line the hole with a good amount of organic matter, like compost, be it homemade or shop-bought or farmyard manure, anything. Just give them a very good soil to move them into. But uh, you could do that now, yeah. Tom, Tom is growing uh, gooseberries. Uh, he says, my gooseberries are turning a reddish colour. Any idea what would be causing that? It didn't happen last year. I was going to say, dare I say, is it a red variety? <laughs> um, which is probably the, the likeliest form of it, or the likeliest reason. Um, when he says it didn't happen last year, so I'm just wondering, are they only two years old? My guess is that it's just a red variety. If they're if they're producing fruits uh, and all, I presume it's the fruits that he says are turning red, not the, not the leaves. Um, I would it's imagine it's just that's the, t- the type of variety, yeah. 
I didn't even know that there was a red variety of gooseberries. Are they well, it's not really red, if you like, but it's a, there is a red tinge to it. Yeah. yeah. Are they sweeter or something? No. Do you know I don't like no. gooseberries, so I can't answer oh, that. Oh, I love gooseberries. <laughs> and do you know my my all time favourite is gooseberry jam. Love gooseberry yeah, jam. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Are you not? Yeah. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, there's a question on lupins. Hi, uh, uh, Peter. My lupins very badly. I sprayed them for green fly, and I put slug pellets on, but all but no good. What would you advise? Uh, it is most likely slugs. I would say more than green fly. The green fly, you will you won't see the the. You'll see the green fly physically. You'll see them in colonies on the stem. So if that's the problem, you'll see them in the, in the first instance. I just prune off any infected stems. So most likely is slugs. Um, first of all, when you say you use slug pellets, just be very careful. And I've gone on about this ad nauseum, I suppose, on your program, Trish, about the importance of the right slug pellets. So don't use any of them containing methaldehyde because they're very damaging to the natural predators for the slugs, which are your birds and hedgehogs and even domestic pets are very vulnerable to those metaldehyde slug pellets. Do be very careful using them in the garden. In fact, don't use them in the garden. Um, but slug pellets containing iron phosphate or ferric phosphate are very, very effective uh, and safe to use. So so go for them in preference. Um, you could, what I've done around my, my a lot of my plants at home is use this these pellets made from sheep's wool. So it's a byproduct of obviously sheep farming that the, the, the wool can be used as a very effective barrier products. So you put it around the lupins um, and the, the slugs and snails can't get over it. It forms a, a kind of a texture on the ground that they can't tolerate, they can't move over. So that's the, the most organic and environmentally sound thing you can do. And as, of course, those pellets break down, they, they actually become a bit of soil conditioner as well. So get yourself some wood pe- wool pellets. Um, now, it is a barrier product. So any barrier product, what I mean by that, it's not a killer, it's just a barrier. So when you're putting using a barrier product, you do need to be diligent that you don't leave any gap in it, that because they will find their way. And also, you need the barrier to come out as far as where the foliage is, because otherwise they'll just use the foliage as a bridge over it, if you know what I mean. Um, but I do find that very effective. You could try slug traps, which are like little bowls submerged in the ground, uh, which you can pour some beer into because the, the alcohol in the beer will kill them. Um, or you could just, as I say, use some of those ferric phosphate pellets. But I would be fairly confident with slugs and snails. Uh, and I take it that answer will probably work for Rachel as well. She says slugs and snails are eating my newly planted hosta and fascia japonica. I want to garden organically. I don't want to kill them. What tips do you have for keeping slugs and snails off without using pellets or killing them? So I take it that advice and, and uh, Rachel is yeah, going that, the right the way. Advice. But she's going the right way. Isn't it? She wants to do it organically and that's what you're well, always promoting. Well, it's essential. I mean, if now more than ever, it's essential. And the, I do have a video up on my own Facebook page, Irish Gardener. You'll find it easy enough on Facebook or probably on YouTube, which outlines several organic and environmentally sound ways of dealing with slugs and snails, which covers a lot of what I just went through there. Okay. But it is, it's essential that we all start looking at organic and environmentally sound ways of, of gardening. And then another listener wants to know, is it okay to use two different blight protection sprays on potatoes? One type I can only use four times. I also have some ditane left. They've taken that off the market, haven't they? I certainly wouldn't be using Ditane 50 or anything like that. No, anywhere near something that I'm going to eat. Yeah. Now, I know there'll be other people who will disagree me, agree with me, but I certainly wouldn't be using it, uh, which is the only advice I can give. Um, in terms of blight prevention, prevention obviously is always better than cure. Uh, 
copper sulfate is probably my go-to weapon in the armory when it comes to potato blight, um, which is certified for use in organic gardening and organic farming, but under license, if you like, or under guidance. In other words, once or maybe twice a year. So I wouldn't be using, personally, is all I'm saying, I wouldn't be using uh, any chemical blight preventative on my potatoes and, and I probably wouldn't look at using two two products either. So the, the best of all in terms of blight prevention is to use a blight resistant variety in the first instance because they are very successful. Some of those um, Peruvian varieties like Sarpomyra and things like that. Um, using copper sulfate then, as I say, just about once during the season can help. Uh, and if you see any sign of blight, just a brown shriveled leaf, anything like that, just get out there quickly and remove it. Um, but no, I, w- I wouldn't look at using more than more than one product and okay. certainly not more than once or twice in the year, no. Okay, Tess, uh, just a final one. Is now the right time to cut back spring heathers? I trimmed them last year, but they were late flowering this year and the flowers only lasted a short time. Tess, I did my sa- the same myself just this weekend. So yes, if they finish flowering, a good rule of thumb with any heather is as soon as it finishes flowering, get out there and cut it back to stop it getting woody and leggy. So yes, I would say yes. Okay, have you a busy week coming up? I, we're, we're back with the Ask the Gardener on Facebook every Friday at 1 o'clock, Trish. So if anybody has got gardening questions, tune in Facebook 1 o'clock on Friday uh, and get your questions into me. And also just give a quick shout out. I know I mentioned it last week, but very briefly, on the 19th, which is this Sunday, Nora Roach up there in Mallow has her garden open from 2 to 6 for Friends of Marymount Hospice. And the following weekend, the 26th, if you're in East Cork, in Carrick Tool, Noel O'Keefe and Tony Barry, who are across the road from each other, fabulous gardens, both open for the hospice next weekend. So uh, I'm busy, but it seems that everybody in the garden is busy. And you, you love that going into view other people's gardens, don't you? You can learn so much from other from how other people, what they do in their own garden. It's such inspiration. And I, I always admire the bravery of these people who open their gardens for such scrutiny. <laughs> and uh, It's like a glimpse into the soul, isn't it? When you're when you're walking yeah. into someone else's garden. Yeah. So you're assume, I, so I assume you'd never open up your own garden then? I don't know if I'd be brave enough, no. <laughs> Okay, listen, pleasure as always to chat to you, Peter. We'll chat again next Wednesday. Thanks for that. Thanks, Thanks for joining. Chris, good morning to you. Uh, good afternoon to you. That is uh, Peter Dowd of the IrishGardener.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.